Now you get none of you well, you And she will be loved. And she will be loved. So, right, the Beatles that came up with She Loved You, they never, never had like on music history. She loves you. It isn't I love her, she loves me, it's she loves you. No one ever heard that before. And then Maroon 5 came along with songs about Jane. And they came up with She Will Be Loved, the future tense she. No one had ever heard that like that before. Uh, are you well anyway? You good? You look great. You look like you have a glow about you. You had a fucking right last night. I can tell. You had sex last night, you lying bitch. You're glowing. <laughs> Imagine your mate just wouldn't drop it. You had a fucking blowy last night. I can tell. You have a spring in your step. You're like a cunning running through the field. Yeah, I can tell. Here's here, and then you're at you're at a brunch date with your friend, and you're like, um, he's kind of a little sly thing to the waiter, and like, what was that about nothing? And the waiter delivers a plate of carrots to your friend and you're like what the fuck is this and like you you rabbit having a little bit of a spring in your step because you had a blowy last night and you're like i'm telling you i didn't well eat every fucking one of those carrots i don't know what i'm talking about i remember um still waiting on that whole scene in the dark hole thing you know i thought it would be like eat a load of carrots and this you know like um splinter cell or you know some sort of like night vision shit you know you know, you got to eat all those carrots so you can see in the dark. Okay, Dad. Num, 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 num. Okay, here we go. We got, we got Bravo. Bravo team. There's your fucking carrots, Dad. There's your carrots. <laughs> um, no, but I kind of thought there's all this lie. You just lie, don't you? I'm going to start making lies to my son. You have to eat all your porridge if you want to fly. If you want to be have the ability to fly. Well, is that not going to come to fruition? Well, guess what? Life's not fair. You know, but um, what bullshit, what bullshit, I mean, life as a child, you know, you got, you got to go, you can't be looking out, this is what I was told, you can't be looking out um, the window at night, otherwise you might see the banshee, the banshee will throw her comb at you, it'll pierce your neck, paralyzing you, sorry for the hard peas on this, I don't have my pop, pop filter, it paralyze you, and then the banshee will take you away forever. Even though I know now the banshees don't do that. Banshees are 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 um like like malevolent beings. They're here to let you know of an impending death. They're not going to take anyone. They're just here to tell you that someone you know or someone in the family, a descendant of the Milesians, the first men who walked on uh, on Irish soil, descendants from Spain. If you're a descendant of them, if you're a Fitz or a Mc, then guess what? You, the Banshees might let you know that someone in your family is going to die. It's only a certain bloodline in the family, and they're just to let you know. And how do they deliver that news? By crying appropriately. They're appropriately crying. It'd be like ordering a, sh- a dress that looked amazing on Boohoo, and then DHL coming and delivering it and being like, <laughs> it looks shit. It's going to look shit on you. <laughs> you know, the, the appropriate way, delivering news appropriately, or, or like on post. You were caught speeding on the M50. <laughs> Look, thank you. Look, just give me the fucking letter. I'll deal with this. You know, just an appropriate emotional response to the message that you're getting. I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, I do know what I'm talking about, but I want to stop talking about this. Um. So, yeah, that's how you, you, just, you, just, you know, 
hard hard life as a child. You know, uh, you're eating things that you thought was going to give you X-ray night vision and being paralyzed in fear to stare out your own window, you know. But um, what else? How are you keeping? Are you well? Are you good? How's things? Are you bored? I'm fucking, yeah, I don't know. know. Actually, I'm all right. Just um, saw this meme that's kind of shook me to the core. Blind Boy posted it. It It's that meme of, you know, the guy kind of defending himself from a knife, you know, and then... And then, so, like, you know, you put the text over each one. The guy defending himself with his hands up is um, me recovering from 2020. And then the guy holding the knife is 2022 in four months. <laughs> it's in four, 2022 is in four, three and a half months. 2022 is in, and I'm just, it just, you know, it comes in waves of how bored you are or whether, you know, we're out of it all. Oh, this is all, you know, but I'm just... Fairly, fairly bored of it all now. And I really thought we were going to have Electric Picnic. I, I really thought that that was going to be, you know, that would just be. That's why we'd all get back oh, by September 2021. I'm sure it'll all, you know. And then it's just, you know, you know, Croke Park, Croke Park, different thing. Everyone walking down those narrow little fucking streets to get in there. Everyone walking into the even narrower tunnels to get to their seats and then sitting side by side. Tens of thousands of people. That's different than, you know, the same amount across acres of field. <laughs> Keeping their distance fully vaxxed. That's completely different. As if you went to the doll and you said, you know, uh, you know never have I ever. Uh, you know, watched a game match. You'd have everyone fucking down in shots. And if you said, never have I ever played a guitar, you'd have fucking one legend in the back probably have a little sip, you know. Yeah, but I'm not very good. Doesn't matter if you're not very good, man. Have you played a guitar? Have you picked up a guitar? Yeah. Well, then need your fucking then drink, you know. But that's the thing. It's just, I don't, can you believe can you believe the things that you like, the things that you value, the things that you really appreciate, um, your hobbies, the things that you kind of enjoy doing, would not probably go hand in hand with anyone who would represent you in the doll. I'm not getting pulled. You goddamn clowns, man. I feel like it's Duffy's Circus in here, man. Hawkeys! Bunch of Charles Hawkeys! Fucking Fina Fall clowns, man. Now, what do you, what do you call a, what do you call a clown? Uh, who who um, who represents Fina Fall in the doll, Aaron? Uh, you might even call him Charles Hawhey. Oh, I'm really got a lot, really got a lot of mileage out of the fact that um, Charles Hawhey's name sounds like a clown nose. But anyway, coincidence? Well, Count Collier, is it a coincidence that weren't their gun running Taoiseach? His name, it, in fact, sounded like a clown's nose. Hawhey. You know, I'm not getting into it. I'm not getting into it. You know, look, I don't. I just, look, I'm just not going to get into politics right now, right? Not because oh no, it's not to do with the fact that I haven't read anything or I barely know anyone's name or really know any of the topics. It's not to do with that. It's just I don't want to get into it. If I get if I start going off on the doll and everyone in the doll, I know them all their names and what they're who all the ministers are. Then I'll, they don't stop me. They don't stop me. <laughs> anyway, let me talk about something I actually like. And that is the sponsor of this week's podcast, the Dubliner Irish Whiskey. And let me tell you this, it is a very exciting time in Dubliner HQ this week. I told you, in there it's like um, it's like Mad Magazine. Cuckoo clocks going off, cuckoo, cuckoo. Lads wearing disco balls on their head, it is wild. 
and they have done something even wilder this week, something just for Daddy. They have launched a brand new whiskey taste with Rascals, part of the, the, the beer cask series, but it's one just for Daddy. My favorite cocktail, it's the Dublin Irish Whiskey Old Fashioned Bottle. It tastes like an old-fashioned. What? Are you mad? Like the whole cocktail? Yes! What they did is they took the traditional Dubliner Irish whiskey recipe, they put it in a um, Rascal's Blonde uh, Ale cask, and then they fucked in a lot of oranges. <laughs> and like star anise and spices. And guess what? It tastes like the perfect blend of spices and tastes to basically make a, an old-fashioned, and it tastes really good. You know, top a bit of soda water if you want. You want to dilute a little bit. You don't want to be drinking straight whiskey, but it's also just low fucking little ice cubes. And it's honestly, it tastes. I have been since getting my bottle over a long period of time, responsibly rinsing through it. It's very tasty. And I'm very impressed. You know, it's almost it's almost like they'd made it just for me, you know. And I'm glad, you know, they're finally doing something for me, you know, after all after them sponsoring this podcast committedly for, you know, coming up to a year. Um, finally they've done something for me. Make a make my favourite cocktail in bottle form. They may as well call it the Tony Cantwell blend. They're not going to. They don't. Maybe they will. They're not going to. <laughs> but it's tasty ass whiskey. And if you want to get some, go to the DLD.com or check out at Dubliner Whiskey. I would recommend you checking out their Soch, especially this week and next week, as you might see a couple of familiar faces uh, on there. Um, for a, a, I can't give any more information than that, but uh, you should check it out. And um, thank you again, Dubliner, for sponsoring this podcast. Cased. I fucked it up. I was doing so well. But now let's get on to the topic of this week's podcast, Justice. That's right, it's Judge Cantwell, Judge Tony, and Sexecutioner, tagline All Rise, how you get none on the Tony Cantwell Shit Show. Stuff. All rise. How you getting on? Judge Cantwell is in session. I tell you, if I was in bloody... Bring me into a car, uh, quiet room. Bring me into a fucking... Hey, and over this court. How about a cart? Um, what about, instead, of, instead of your... Mar- instead of um, car, uh, court... Uh, instead of courtroom drama, how about Mario Kart drama? Uh, uh, it was going really well and then hit me with a blue shell. Death! I sentence you to death. This is Mario Kart. Um, I'm getting on but bananas. I sentence you to death again. Uh, you know, but um, oh God, look, look, look. Con- content creation is hard. <laughs> content creation is hard. Okay, that's why this week I'm a judge. <laughs> Next week, guess what? I'm going to fucking space. I'm an astronaut. This week I'm a judge because the muses were so generous to smile on me. A few weeks ago, when I came out, and I was about to say my world-famous catchphrase, all right, how are you getting on? And instead I said, all rise, like what a bailiff might say. And then it came to me, I will be a judge, and I will listen to the cases of you. Engagement. That's what this is, engagement. I'm speaking directly to you. I put up on the soch. I said, look, I am going to be a judge for a little bit, and I want to hear your cases of when you were wronged. If you are the defendant, tell me who the plaintiff is, and I will tell you which side of the law I will come down on very hard, and I will, and what the sentence, what the sentence will be for the person who has been, who has wronged, essentially. That's what law is. So that is what we're doing on this pod. I am going to be a judge. 
And look, I'm sure I'll do something later on in post where I'll put like Judge Judy music on. You know, something like this. Like that kind of thing. You know what I mean? But anyway, look, I put the feelers out, guys. I put the, fe- I put the feelers out, guys. I put the feelers out. And this is obnoxious. I've had so much coffee. Um, put the feelers out. I want to know of a time that you were wronged. And I will be hearing from one side. But I'm, look, I have, I have been the ear of enough gossip and bullshit across the years to know when I'm when something sounds a little fishy. Maybe someone this doesn't sound like that's all that happened. You know, people are like, look, all I did was, you know, ask him if he could move over slightly and I was really polite and he fucking kicked me in the head. And I'm like, well, does that really all if if let me tell you this, right? If you hear a bit of gossip and it is so unbelievable, you're like, what did he do? Then a hundred percent the person who's telling you. Well, eighty percent chance the person that's telling you this is exaggerating or leaving something key out or heard something nothing is nothing is that unbelievable the only thing that unbelievable is uh the lord of the rings okay <laughs> so just keep that in mind if you're like he said fucking what and he just said that unprovoked without you saying anything and he jumped to that as like just you were having a normal conversation and he just came out with that one big inflammatory statement saying that you've never been friends and he's never liked you. He just said that out of nowhere. Oh my God, what a dickhead. Yeah, yeah. And Smaug is coming as well. And Smaug is coming. You need to be careful now. You're for, Look, a lot of bullshit going out there. Anyway, let's let's start. Um, okay, here we go. Here's... um. Here's one. This is from Seamus O'Shea. Seamus says, play the music. When I was a child, my family never had nice cereal. Only porridge, Weetabix, cornflakes, etc. Uh, that's all that made it to the shopping list. Sugary cereals were a luxury to us, and we would only get it at a friend or cousin's house. But my dad bought us Cookie Crisp one weekend, and needless to say, I was very excited to have a bowl. So when I got up on Saturday morning, I went downstairs, and to my horror, I found a completely empty box on the table. And my older sister had set an alarm for 6 a.m. to get there first, and had eaten all of it. I got so angry that I picked up a two-liter carton of milk, and I bounced it off her head. Wow. It exploded and destroyed our living room. I got an absolute bollocking off the parents of my sister. Now, I'm not saying that I'm totally innocent, but I would like my sister to be held accountable for her actions 14 years later. Seamus, I'm glad, um, from what you presented, it seems to be a fairly unbiased argument, okay? You both wanted the cookie crisp. It's fucking biscuits and cereal. To go from Weetabix to act, like, that's the the jump like that is that you may as well pour a bunch of fucking Maltesers in a bowl and pour milk in, which is a cereal I came up with, actually. Um... Still yet to do it. See, the thing about those boxes of Maltese, I'm not going to that. No, but I think, think, yeah, nice box. What is there, five Maltese in there? Yeah, thanks very much for the box of Maltese. What is there, five? Give me a bumper pack. And make sure they've squeezed all the air out so I can see how much is actually in it. You clown. <laughs> um, Look, you both wanted the cookie crisp. You saw the wolf. He was on TV. He was making it seem so appealing. If you were to tell me the opposite story, if you were to tell me that you really wanted the cookie crisp. You set an alarm to get off at 6 o'clock in the morning. You ate the entire thing of cookie crisp. And then your sister bounced a two-liter bottle of milk off your dome. I would say that that move was excessive. 
So I need to view this from both sides. I need to see the cookie crisp from both sides now. And the way I see it is your retaliation, unfortunately, unfortunately, was too excessive. The thing is, had you calmly said to your parents, waited and just, just waited calmly and said, look at that gluttonous bitch <laughs> for what she's done to this family. And she is a glutton. She is a glutton, you know, but I can also relate. I don't know what, I, I, can't, I shouldn't be a judge. <laughs> I shouldn't be a judge. Um, had you calmly said to your parents, look what she's after doing. I was really looking forward to that. And it's actually upset me quite a lot that she wouldn't want to share with me. Come on, man, you need to manipulate. I know you're a kid. You were a kid. Then likelihood is your dad would have ran out, she would have got a scolding, and you would have had a whole thing of cookie crisp. But, you know, a carton for a carton makes a lot of fucking milky domes, do you know what I mean? To the head. So um, I'm going to have to, in this case, because of your excessive force, side in favor of the plaintiff, your sister. You were in the wrong. It was excessive. Um, that doesn't take away from the fact that she's a glutton. However... I am going to award you damages. She has to buy you a new box of Cookie Crisp. And she has to watch you eat every single bit of it. Cookie Crisp mukbang is what I award you, the defendant. <laughs> All right, next one. Um, McGrath on Instagram says, play the music. All right. So a few of us moved out to Perth in October, and I passed my driving test just four days before. Um, my mate got a car sorted fairly quickly from a family friend, so I borrowed it the day after he got it to take it for a spin to go gaff hunting. I somehow ended up on the motorway for the first time, five lane job, shitting the togs. Got the car all the way back to the gaff and was so chuffed with myself, only to crash it into a pole, pulling it into the Airbnb. Lovely dent right in the middle of the number plate. I wasn't even close to making the turn. Very stressful. So I headed inside to calm down and scoffed down the remainder of some pizza on a plate in the fridge. When it all came to light the next day, he was fairly reasonable about the whole situation. The main. Until he asked why I hadn't at least taken the empty plate out of the fridge after I'd eaten his pizza after I'd crashed his car. <laughs> come, Bro, come on. So you're not even asking who's in the wrong here because you know this is an admission of guilt. This is you coming out here and just saying, I did it. If I did it. Signed, O.J. McGrath. Right? You did it, bro. And then it was the small little step. You you, you, you flexed on, the, on, on a sound, lenient mate. Right? I, look, I didn't expect... I, didn't, I, I expected just to be siding with whoever responded to my online plea for cases for this ju episode of Judge Cantwell. But you know, you know what you did. And it was a small little detail. It's like Al Capone getting done for not filing a tax return. Do you know what I mean? All the other stuff was like, I'm not, I'm gonna, like, I'm not going to convict you of it. And then it came down to it, bro. At least take the fucking plate out of the fridge. <laughs> Look, I, I'm gonna side. Your mate doesn't even seem like he wants to be involved in this. Seems like seems like a really cool person. I'm going to suss a car for you. Here's the car. Take it out for the day. You crashed it. Don't worry about it. You had the pizza. Don't worry about it. Take the fucking plate out of the fridge. He's dead right. And it's not because it's being petty. It's just that's the straw that broke the camel's back. You can't, you know, he's not, he's not, he's not, a, you know, he's not a doormat, your mate. So I side with your mate 
the plaintiff and I sentence you to clean his dishes once, but he can pile them up as big as he wants in the sink. But you have to come over at one time and clean all the dishes that's in the sink. That's the only way to make this right, right? And you need to get him a nice plate, a newer plate. Get him uh, a Claire Campion plate, uh, famed uh, cer- ceramicist Claire Campion. Check at Claire Campion on Instagram. She makes fantastic uh, Delph. Um, she makes lovely ceramics. We've all set, and she's a good friend. So as I sentence you to buy one of my mate's plates. Right, next up. Um, Robsy underscore Quincy writes, play the music. I jocked my mate when we were nine years old at a birthday party at a friend of ours. <laughs> nice one, man. He's a fucking legend. Nice one. It's, 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 it stops me for a second. It's such a shame that I've said this many times that you can't jock people comfortably anymore and that you can't push people into ponds. I think that's the biggest. That, you want to talk about PC gone mad, right? Uh, you know, I think it's such a shame. A flaccid penis for me is is a, a well, for me, the course is for me. Look, for someone else, maybe seeing a bare penis when they didn't want to see a penis would be quite invasive. I just think they look like a silly, dumb dolphin. All penises do. So I like seeing them around. <laughs> I like, I think it's funny. I think penis, I think flaccid penises are funny. You know, and dumb looking. And pulling someone's cacks down, seeing a penis is just like, you're a little boy pissing out a urinal with your cacks around your ankles. It's a funny way just to completely, you know, uh, just, you know, devolve somewhat, <laughs> you know? And I think it's very funny. Um, but I understand that, you know, and another thing is pushing people into ponds. But now with the you know, the IP factor of phones, you know, with the how water resistant they are, I think it should make a comeback. The whole thing was you can't push people in ponds for any, you know, any reason now because people have Nokias. We can start pushing people back in ponds. Don't anyone ever push me in a pond. It would ruin my life. Anyway, so anyway, you jocked your mate and play the music again. He was really embarrassed. He hit me with a dead arm, and I thought we were even. Cut the music. He could, if he held your ma hostage, he still wouldn't be even, right? He could crash a plane into your family home, <laughs> and it still wouldn't be even. It couldn't be more clear. A, a cock for a cock. It has to be balanced that way. There is no way. You can get in as many dead arms as you want in between then. It's never done. So anyway, it continues. However, when we went back to school, I found out it still wasn't over. He'd barely talked to me, and he would stare at me across the room in the yard. I played football with my hands in my pockets uh, of my trousers in case he tried to jock me back. We'd been best friends until his birthday party and walked home every day together. From that moment, we started walking home on different sides of the road. It was like I could feel his presence staring at me and planning his revenge 24-7. And this went on for three whole years. Three whole years I had to put up with this anxiety of when he was going to get his revenge. He eventually did jock me back and it wasn't so bad. And what was worse was uh, the fear and anxiety I had to face for three years. I still think he was in the wrong (laughs) for making you feel bad. This this, This reminds me of a time when I got absolutely belligerent drunk. Where I was I was incomprehensible and I think it was unfortunately I think it was an absinthe kind of night which was was a very short-lived trend when I was in uh, college and then again briefly when I moved to London and um, I was I was mad I was mad drunk one night um, 
and we were all giddy and we were dancing around and we were, we were in the front room doing karaoke and someone someone was drinking like a mixer or something like that and it was tango like tango orange and whatever gin uh gerange we kept saying which we thought was really for gin and orange gerange we kept saying which we thought we were we thought we, at the time was so funny um no it's only very funny so he's drinking a, a tango uh, someone's drinking a tango gerange and I was like, and then I went, you know, and you've been tangoed. And I slapped Jordan in the face, slapped another man, me a man, so hard in the face that I sobered up. I smacked him so hard and the clatter was so loud that I immediately sobered up. And he's just his, his eyes, to quote Dan Brown. In Digital Fortress, his eyes went white like a shark. And I just said immediately, because it just, that was that, oh, oh. And I just said, I'm so sorry. And he did that thing that I recommended Seamus do. He was calm. And he says, it's okay. And it was, he was just quiet. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. And I kept apologizing. I'm so, fuck, Jesus Christ. And I'm like, slap me, slap me, please slap me. And he goes, no, no, I'm not going to slap you. I'm not going to slap you. And I'm like, please fucking slap me. And I start slapping myself <laughs> like a psycho. Please, please, just fucking slap me, bro. And he's like, no, I'm not going to slap you. I'm not going to slap you now. And I lived in absolute terror because it I w- it was owed to me. It's not like, a, and I, I know it, like, you know, sometimes like Terry throws something at my head like a, like, a, like a plastic ball, you know, like ball pit ball. And she hits me from across the room and I'm like, all right, now I get, now I get to hit you. And she goes, no, that's not how it works. And I'm like, that's not how you, you're such a youngest child of brothers. Do you know what I mean? You just get away with this. Or you have to take the punishment back. You have to take it back. So I lived in this perpetual fear. And Jordan kept opening doors with his hand sticking out. And everywhere I looked, there was a hand just hovering. Until eventually he just put out the hand and shook mine and said, your punishment is over. So he did respect the fact that I lived in, in fear. That he would get me back, and I had to take it. So, I relate. I do think. I do think that, even though they're kids, even though he was your mate was a kid, and you were kids, um, Jockin comes with the territory. It's a shame. It's a shame that the first person has to be jocked, and then everyone remembers that Jockin's a thing and starts jocking everyone. It's but it's a shame for the first person that they don't know that they have to tie their Diodora tracksuits so tight that they actually leave like a red mark around their waist. They don't, you know, it's the burden of being the first jockey, you know. Um, but I do think your mate was in the wrong, especially to let you live in the fear and jock you eventually, and the dead arms. It is even. But your mate let it linger a little bit too longer. Um, so your mate is in the wrong. And I side with you, the defendant. And I sentence your mate. So if he didn't like being jocked so much, how about this? He has to make a porno for you. <laughs> he has to make a porno for you. Of him. Um, of him having relations with someone. So that's so. So sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, but he has to do it. Um, CNIF on Instagram says, I lent a mate a fiver in school years ago and he gave it back to me in one, two, and five cent coins. Tony McGregor's turning in his Hugo Boss suit listening to this. Um, that's a lot of coinage. Consider this. Even if it was just five cent coins, that's 100 coins. 
I mean, if there's even a couple of two cents and one cents in there, that's what we're looking at 300 coins. That's insane. However, you know, it's it. Look, it's a scaldy thing to do. It's a scaldy thing to do. It's 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 taking the piss. Like how many conveniences is your mate getting out of this? Getting the fiver and then then losing all the change. That is just self indulgent. I side with you, CNF. I don't need to hear anything else about this. Your mate now owes you. So he gave you over a hundred coins uh, that you had to cash. How about now he has to give you a hundred euro? He owes you a hundred quid. Your mate. For the fiver that he gave you back in coins now owes you 100 euro. The judge has spoken. All right, here's one about borrowing. Jack123456 says, um, My mate called around to my house last month to see if I still had the DVD of Johnny English he lent me when we were in fifth class. We're about 26 now. <laughs> um, but then he says, does that make me a flake? I actually still had the DVD and I gave it back to him. <laughs> Look, a, a little, um, let's have a little thought about uh, etiquette, borrowing etiquette here. Some people think that when they lend you something, they're ever going to see it back. And I call those people rubes. These people are rubes, right? Because they know that's the deal. You know that's the deal. Don't be the fuck, don't be a dick looking for it back. Don't be, hey, we had a good thing going on here, right? If I come over to your house and I'm like, oh, I actually haven't seen that flick. Can I, you know, can I can I borrow it? I'm kind of, I'm really what I'm saying, and you notice what I'm saying. I'm saying, can I take shit that is yours? <laughs> can I take it? Can I have Can I have this? Oh, that's cool. Can I have it? You know? You get more used to it as you, as you know, the more you do it. Can I, can I keep this forever? You know, you don't say that. You're just like, oh, I wouldn't mind checking. Oh, I, you know, I haven't read um, Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy. I wouldn't mind checking it out. Oh, cool. Thanks very much. I'm going to keep it forever. Do you know what I mean? You know, and you don't want people coming back. You know, the the people who come back and are like, "Oh, I, will, I can actually can I have that back?" You know, like, what are you doing? What are you, I reckon this buzz. We had a good thing going on here. Do you know what I mean? We had a good thing going on. It was, you know, it was free love. Summer of '69. You were giving me shit. I was taking it. What are you reckon? What are you reckon this buzz? I'm actually sad now. You're emotionally upsetting me here. You're coming back for your copy of Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy that I haven't read yet. It looks good on my shelf. I want people who come here to think I read. And understood the thing that you own. So, um, so the fact that you gave back Johnny English, look, if you were happy to get, if you were happy to give back something that was yours, that's fine. Does that make you a flake? Absolutely not. Makes you really makes you better than most of us. Perfectly honest, you know. Um, but that is the etiquette, you know. People coming back. Do you have that? Um, do you have that Michael Collins VHS? What are you fucking trying? What are you trying to set me make me look for something now? What are you talking about? Do you have that USB key I lent you? You fucking joke me. Why are you giving me a thing to do here? I thought we had a good thing going on. You know? Looking for a USB key. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just it has my wedding photos on it. Don't be upsetting me. You know? So, um, so just something to bear in mind. Um, all right. Next one. Mark Blenner Hassett says, I gave my mate a loan of my Xbox 360. You fucking rube. And a few games when he broke his leg. And he never gave it back. Then a few years later, he was stuck for cash, and he tried to sell it to me, sell it back to my younger brother. Absolutely no shame. Right. Um, I've heard your side of the argument. Uh, I can't see any other side. So presumably, you, the Xbox 360, you got a PS4, I'm presuming, uh, or an Xbox One. 
you lent him the old console, the old games. You know, you, I, I kind of have to stick to the thing here, don't I? Look, selling it back, make it a profit over something that was kind of a free love situation where you gave him to keep your games console and a few games, you know, um, to then abuse that by trying to, you know, you know, capitalize on that. That's sick. That's sick. Um, you know, all right. So, so here's, 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 here's what I think, right? Um, I'm going to side with you, the defendant on this one, because he shouldn't have sold it back. If it was just, he didn't give it back. I would have sided with the plaintiff and I would have said, you're a rube and you need to stop upsetting his experience with enjoying the Xbox 360. It's his now. All right. But the fact that he wanted to sell it on to your younger brother, I am going to find in favor of you, the defendant. And if he broke his leg and you gave that to him, then you get to break his other fucking leg. So, a leg, a leg given. I don't know. Uh, next one, Mr. Matt Dooley says, play the music. <laughs> I really like this one. So he says, I had a mate in third year. And we were only really mates because our mas were mates. Anyway, my birthday's in May, and around February, he starts mentioning that my birthday's coming up soon and all that. And he kept asking if I liked Sean Paul. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sure. As much as anyone does in the mid-2000s, I guess. Anyway, this went on for weeks. Oh, so you still like Sean Paul? We're a big smirky, I know something you don't know, kind of grin. And I was like, yeah, sure, still as much as I did, and as much as I ever will. <laughs> so his ma... Um, so my ma and his ma were over for tea and biscuits and she even she was like oh I heard your birthday is coming up and you're a Sean Paul fan well that's going to work out really well <laughs> I would be so curious what is it about Sean is he going to come out happy birthday Mr. Matt Dooley um, um, so a week or so later uh, I see at the back of a newspaper that Sean Paul is going to be playing the O2 at the end of May and tickets were like 60 quid or something and I thought, look, I've cracked the code. He's got me tickets to see Sean Paul. And I had little or no interest in that, but I thought, oh, fuck, it'll be a laugh going to see Sean Paul with him. So I got myself pumped for it. Anyway, the big birthday comes, and I have a load of friends over, including your man and his man. And the time comes to open his present. And I'm giving it the whole, ooh, I wonder what this could be. And he hands me a square wrap in wrapping paper. And, he's, and his grin is back. He can barely hold his excitement. And his man is beside him, too, looking like Grandpa Joe as Charlie's opening up the golden ticket chocolate bar. So I tip open the packaging, and there it is in all its glory. We be burning the 2005 single, one song on a CD, no tickets, no nothing else. What an absolute letdown. Mr. Matt Dooley, thank you so much for sending this in. Um, <laughs> it's a mad one because it's not like you're desperate to see Sean Paul, but to have a kind of this... Julia, definitely like Sean Paul. I still going to like Sean Paul in three months. Oh, do you know it's so sweet. Just thinking of a, of your, your your you know your mate going around, just seeing like, oh my god, I'm gonna get we be burning for Matt, and I'm gonna give it to him three months for his birthday. It's just, but if you look, if you're gonna come for the king, you best not miss. And he missed. Okay, you don't hype up something for that long when it, the payoff is just you know a single. You know, well that's a cassette single. Uh, a CD single, a CD single. Um, that's too much, you know. You you, you got to know your hype. And actually, he was completely in the wrong to hype that up. Not that you were entitled to anything. Not that you were entitled. And also, what I love about this is he's wrong, even though you weren't even arsed seeing Sean Paul. 
and he's not he's not entitled to get you anything. But when you dangle a dingle, and you you're making it seem like it's a um you know a full full gig in the O2, a full experiential sixty euro job. Do you know what I mean? Sizing up the price of it all. Do you know what I mean? Then um then it was a letdown, and your mate is wrong. So I'm going to side with you, the defendant. He should have either said nothing or brought you to see Sean Paul. I love this podcast. <laughs> I love this podcast. He should have done nothing, said nothing, or brought you to see Sean Paul one or the other. All right? So, um, Mr. Matt Dooley, I would, um, I would have a word with him. Jonathan KNBA says, here we go. Me mate robbed me shiny Charizard when we were kids and convinced me that I lost it and that he got it in the RDS. Bastard. Jonathan, your mate owes you, according to latest eBay auctions, (laughs) $45,000. Let me tell you, everyone's going mad for the shiny Charizard. Pokemon cards are back in a big way, right? Pokemon cards, we were the first generation to appreciate Pokemon cards. I can't fully say that I was the first one in Ireland to have Pokemon cards, but I was the first one in Ireland to have Pokemon for the Game Boy. I've talked about that on a previous pod. But let me tell you this. Shiny Charizards were a fucking dime a dozen. We were propping up fucking tables with our shiny Charizards back in the day. Now they're gold dust. Now um, one of the Pauls, I don't know which one, Logan? has a shiny Charizard, uh, you know, in, like, acetate, like, if you know, in mint condition around his neck. Um, and they're worth a fucking fortune. And there were so many of them going around. What you have them, you, you bought, they didn't, they, they, for a while they didn't sell individual Pokemon cards in the foil pack. They only sold them in a box and with the whole starter kit. And the whole Pokemon card game is shite. It's a shite, boring game. And then people were just trying to look to collect them all, you know. But the thing was, we weren't getting them in fast enough because they didn't have the foil pack. So people, lads just kept buying the, the, you know, the, like the beginner set where you get like a box and you'd have like all the little, you'd have, there was loads of, you know, every every pack had like a shiny Charizard in it and a shiny Mewtwo. Um, so there were a dime a dozen because everyone had them, you know. But also in the pack, you'd have like little pebbles or whatever, little stones that would you you'd put down to kind of show what element was gonna be, or it was a stupid game, right? Um, but I tell you, we had shiny Charizards a dime a dozen. So look, I understand that you are forty five k in the red right now, much like Charizard's fucking skin, um, orange, um, but those shiny Charizards, bro, were a dime a dozen. You know what I mean? They were they were everywhere. You know so. Yeah, if it was robbed, if it, look, if it was robbed, then your mate's in the wrong. All right, you need to show up your mate's gaff and demand forty-five fucking thousand dollars. You need it in dollars, um, it's like thirty-eight thousand euro, but you want you want it in dollars. So, um, don't you know? Don't go into specific detail. Don't bring up exactly what this is about. Just knock on the door with a baseball bat and say, "Can I have my forty-five thousand dollars, please?" And then if he says that, and just smash his window. And scream, you know, intimidate them, like uh, like Drogo and How to Train Your Dragon Two, which I watched recently. Um, all right, next up, Sean Nolan says, when me and my mates were around eleven, twelve, we had a band called Season Three. <laughs> you fucking legends! Uh, consisting of me on drums, my, ma- my mate Matt on keys, and frontman Daly on guitar, and we played all the hits he has here in Caps, and by that I mean mainly covers of the script. <laughs> When, when heart breaks, no, don't break even. What am I supposed to do when the best part of me was always leaving? 
It was crafting treat, I was feeling so nice, feeling so fine. <laughs> um, and Oasis uh, cover. Sounds unreal. Um, even with this shocking catalogue of covers, um, we were convinced we were going to make it big time. To our excitement, Daly announced that one day he landed us a gig at his cousin's sixth birthday. Oh, man. Um, his birthday party. So with our inflated egos, me and Matt were like, how much are we getting paid, though? And uh, Daly said about tenner each, and we were thrilled. Day of the gig comes around, and we burst through our set list. And to make up for the time, we had to redo The Man Who Can't Be Moved around three times. <laughs> so we settled at that, played rugby for the rest of the party. However, when payment came around, Daly walks over with three goodie bags of sweets as our reward. Myself and Matt were furious. Um, we are furious that we won't be receiving payment, and we claim that Daly then owed us the money that we've still yet to receive this day. So, um, please, we need an honourable judge, Tony, to settle this 12-year dispute once and for all. Um, thank you very much, Sean. Listen, I think if you even look into what you've written here, where basically he said, I got us a gig, and both you and Matt said, how much are we getting paid? And he said, a tenner each. I believe there was no tenner, man. There was no tenner. I would I would like to believe that Daly... Look, if he's a front man, maybe maybe a bit of maybe his ego got to him. Maybe he's like, hey, you know, I'm Billy Corgan. I'll have just as much success with my band Zwan than I will with the uh, Smashing Pumpkins. Do you know what I mean? Maybe that maybe the ego got to him, and he thought, look, I'm the songwriter of these covers of the script. So, but what I probably believe here is he got you the gig. Probably didn't ask about money himself, and then it was like, oh, I don't know, tenner each. Maybe he did try and sweet talk you, you know, sweet talk, you know, you you up to, you know, his his uncle and his auntie, but um, you know, he did get you the gig, and that is a huge, you know, when you're you're eleven and you're playing a gig in front of a bunch of six year olds, you know, <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that. You know what I mean? You just need that presence. He before you even did the gig, you know, you 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 came out of it being a much better fully formed band. Yes. You know, it would be scaldy if Daly pocketed the cash. Um, I'd love to hear Daly's side of view on this, um, point of view side on this. Um, because I think what happened was you and Matt were like, how much? And he's like, oh, I don't want to disappoint my friends, ten or each. And then that didn't come to fruition, you know. But then again, you know, maybe he did. I'm going to side with Daly on this one because Daly pushed you outside your comfort zone and that's all you can ask for in a friendship and in a band. And I think you should be fucking grateful to get played a six-year-old's birthday party. It's all about exposure, guys. There could have been an executive there from, um, you know, Interscope who could have signed you. Every opportunity is an opportunity to be signed by Interscope <laughs> Records. Um, oh, and I sentence you. Um, you owe him. Um, you owe him a dinner for just for for the uh, exposure. So you and Matt. Oh, I'm 20 quid. Um, okay, next one. All right, let's try... Um, Dara Brennan says, uh, One of the lads said he couldn't come to the pub because he didn't want to miss Love Island. He said this on a few occasions. What do you say, Judge Cantwell? I need to say this to you. I don't need to hear any more of this. I side in favour of the plaintiff. Don't you judge a man. Don't you judge a man for watching Love Island. I don't watch it. But don't you judge someone for enjoying something. Just enjoy, like, wanting to be part of the conversation. Don't you dare. Don't you take something away from him because that's outside the norms of what you boys normally do in the pub. However, if he's a flake and he won't leave the gaff, I mean, Jesus Christ, you can watch it later. Do you know what I mean? 
If he's not been out in a while, then he could be like, you flake. You know, hey, stick your fucking arse in this 99. That's where you belong. You know what I mean? Hey, uh, why am I... Uh, uh, you know, I have, to st- I have to stand up and pat myself down after I talk to you. You're such a flake. Little flaky bits getting on my legs. You know? And here's another thing about the flake rapper. Why... Like, it's the most messy rapper. Like, to unfurl that at the top. You know? I don't know. <laughs> right, I bowed out of that one really quick. All right, we'll get a few more here. Wait, sorry. Um, and I sentence you to arrive at his house to watch Love Island with a pint of Guinness and a flake on top. Um, in it. All right, next one here. Um, Declan McGee, McGee says, um, my sister cut through the wires of the N64 at home because when we were nine I wouldn't let her play Ocarina of Time I also would like to state that she was in danger she, she was a danger with games cartridges and I couldn't risk her smashing it against the wall to get it to work Declan McGee on first reading of this I side with you the defendant and I sentence her to fucking death on second reading I side with her. And you were in the wrong. Look, cutting through the wires of an N64 is absolutely unforgivable. But why would anyone ever do something so desperate? You denied your sister. Arguably one of the funnest, most incredible, immersive, fantastic gaming experiences of any generation of consoles. You denied her that. You denied her you know, acquiring a shield. It's dangerous to go alone, to go to the Deku tree, learning, learning about the Triforce. You denied her the flashback weird nightmares of Ganon stealing Zelda. You denied her the songs of, you know, the Song of Storms and the Song of Time and and, and having these incredible, mind-blowing experiences. Like when you go to the windmill and the guy is like, I've been here singing this song for you know, 10 years, and I don't understand, you, you, your adult Link, this guy, he's been driven mad, and then you realize that you actually had to go back in time to teach him that song. It's like fucking Bill and Ted. It is absolutely incredible, an unbelievable experience, and probably the single most satisfying finishing of a game because of everything that you did leading up to that point, that you didn't necessarily, that was all kind of done in your own time. You know what I mean? That's the most amazing thing about Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time. It's kind of like, I can just shoot a bunch of arrows. This is open world and an absolutely amazing game. And you denied your sister that. And that is that is completely unforgivable. So what you need to do is you need to buy your sister a Nintendo Switch. And you need to get her Breath of the Wild. And you need to let her experience and an as good, if not better, hey, come at me, if not better, uh, Zelda game. I think it's absolutely one of the best games of all time. So that's what you have to do now. You were in the wrong. And it took me a while to figure that out, but you were in the wrong. You cannot deny someone. It's in. It was in her home. It was probably the gold cartridge, because I had the same one. It was a gold cartridge sitting there, and you're like, no, you don't get the fucking play. Yeah, it's not all, you know, she should have cut, cut a lot more than that. Um, all right, last, last one. Right here we have um, Mark Collins. Uh, he says, when I was in college and broke, 
I needed to borrow my friend's student leave card to get the bus for a day. When I went to pay him back, he told me I owed him the full adult fare, as that's how much I would have had to pay in cash, even though it had worked out about half the price on the student leave card. Now, funny you say this one, Mark Collins, because I have another one here from a man called Larger Baby, who could indeed be a pal. Because he has the exact same story. He says, a couple of years ago, we were all broke students. My mate, let's call him Dwight York, was getting the bus into town to meet someone. So that's you, Mark Collins. <laughs> this was before leap cards. So it was cash or bus tickets only. He didn't have the return fares in coinage or a student travel card. So my other mate, let's call him Andy Cole, gave him a student rambler to use. It was one of those tickets. He had a certain number of days on the ticket. And if you used it on a certain day, you had unlimited access for the rest of the day. Dwight said he'd given uh, he'd given the cash uh, for using a day on his ticket and he asked how much it would cost and Andy said five euro thirty we queried uh, saying that wasn't the cost of a day ticket on the bus and he said that's the cash equivalent of two journeys on the bus and this led to a long roundabout argument with Andy Cole repeatedly saying that five thirty is what the bus would cost uh, Dwight York and um, and that he should pay. The two euro daily rate would only apply to Andy because he had a student travel card. He finally relented and gave in to the two euro but never accepted the argument. Um, sounds like a tight fucker. Sounds like a tight fucker. Your mate sounds like a sort of chap who counts his fingers before he shakes your hand, if you know what I mean. Um, look, I'm going to side with Mark. I'm going to side with AKA uh, Andy. Uh, what, was the, what was the footballer names again? Andy Cole. Um, look, your mate's a tight fucker, but I'm going to tell you this. I side with you, the defendant. But I, for me to sentence your friend, I cannot sentence him to anything worse than he's already gone through. For when looking for the five euro thirty, his mask slipped and revealed a scaly face with a forked tongue. And his, his contact lenses that looked like human eyes slipped and behind them revealed dollar sign eyes, because he's a tight fucker, loves cash. So although I side with you, Mark Collins, and all your other football pseudonyms, um, your mate's a tight fucker, mate's a tight fucker, but look, the damage has been done. The damages have been awarded in arrears. The court is over. Go in peace to love and serve the law. This has been Judge Campbell. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, everyone who sent in your um, your cases. And um, let me know if you'd like me to do this one again. Hit me up on the social, and I will do more if that's what you like. Um, thank you very much to the Dubliner Irish Whiskey. Go to the DLD.com. Check out their old-fashioned, ooey, it's a tasty-ass whiskey. Um, and thank you very much. If you like this podcast, if you would like to listen to more of these podcasts, um, you can go over to Patreon, uh, patreon.com, and look up Tony Cantwell on there. And every single week on every Friday, I add an extra podcast uh, for free if you pay me the price of a pint. Um, and there's loads of podcasts up there. There's almost as many um, behind the paywall podcasts as there are public podcasts that you can already listen to. So if you've listened to all these and you want to listen to some more, you can listen to them over there. But if you can't pay...